The year is 2012. I'm a year away from listening to my first podcast, and John Bellion is in his parents' basement working on a mixtape. John recorded a lot of his writing sessions and put them on YouTube. In the video for The Wonder Years, he sits down in front of the camera, plays some chords on the piano, and then beatboxes over it as if it's the most natural thing ever. The music you're hearing is a rough cover I made of the instrumental. Three mixtapes and two studio albums later, John Bellion is a pop star. His single All Time Low was a fixture on the charts in 2018, and I've already seen him in concert twice, so you know he's for real. John Bellion isn't a beatboxer, but he uses lots of beatboxing sounds and techniques in his composition. He distorts voices to sound like accented snares, he uses a loop station to prepare for his live shows, and one time, he even played his singing through a guitar amp to get a tribal feel to his song. Beatboxing is all over pop culture. That's why you knew what to expect when you heard Special Effects as a podcast about beatboxing. Beatboxing is in pentatonics. Beatboxing is on stage at Ed Sheeran, Bruno Mars, and Charlie Puth concerts. It's on reality game shows like America's Got Talent, The Sing-Off, and Vocal Play in Korea. The beatboxing community hasn't fully crossed over into the mainstream just yet, but there are lots of ways that beatboxing has already permeated our music culture. Episode 5 is about beatboxing and pop culture, and why that exposure is super important for the beatboxing community. This is SpeciFX. Beatboxing is music, but in order to make it music, you have to make it more than a magic trick. Back when we were in college, my buddy the Orthobox opened for Logic, Jesse J, and the Chainsmokers. Yeah, Logic, Logic was like the actual opener. And so like when I was sound checking, he was just kind of hanging around and like we talked for like a hot second. He's like, I like beatboxing. I was like, thank you. I have no idea who you are. And I felt so bad after because I heard his album and he is so, so good. Beatboxers aren't exactly used to other musicians giving them that kind of respect. It's tough because I think for a lot of people from the outside, it's viewed as like a gimmick. It's like, oh, you're a person who makes sounds. I've performed a lot of times as a beatboxer and people are just like, do that thing with your face. Acapella, it's a phenomenon now, but it was really not that back then. It was much more of a novelty thing. It still kind of has that stigma of novelty. Beatboxers hate being told that what they do is a party trick. I could have quoted any of my interviews, but you just heard from The Orthobox, Ben Mirren, and Jeff Thatcher. I've known Jeff for a few years now. He's actually the first person I ever heard make the spit snare I learned in episode two. In 2015, he came to University of Maryland for a week and produced my college acapella group's album. Shout out Cole Sassone and Low Grade Fever. Why don't you come on over In addition to producing studio acapella albums, Jeff is the vocal percussionist for Rockapella. Yeah, that Rockapella. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? A lot of people place beatboxing and acapella music into the same basket. They don't think it's real music. I swear, one time someone actually told me acapella music isn't real music. Much like the beatboxing community, which has always been related to the acapella community in many ways, it's a do-it-yourself world unto itself. Jeff didn't specify what he meant by do-it-yourself, but he didn't have to. 
It's about money. If you want to make a career following your passion, you have to monetize at some point. And when people aren't familiar with your work, that can be hard. Touring became this goal rather than this foregone conclusion. And you have a group like Rockapella who was on television. That was a gateway. Rockapella had a breakthrough with Carmen Sandiego. They were on TV, singing a dope track. In everyone's living room at the end of the day, five days a week, for a total of five years. And with that familiarity came comfort, respect, and money. Touring, studio albums. Jeff has been performing with Rockapella about as long as I've been alive. So clearly there's an interest and demand for exciting vocal music. And this is where Deke Sharon comes in. Vocal music obviously predates any kind of instrumental music by probably tens of thousands of years, if not hundreds. Deke also has a Colsasone connection. He gave a master class to the a cappella groups at Maryland in 2016, and my group attended. It was only later that I found out that he was a producer and musical director for NBC's The Sing-Off and musical director for a small little movie called Pitch Perfect. Deke Sharon knows music, and he knows drama too. That's why he's been able to make niche music into movies and TV. You've got your West Side Story knife fight. You've got your beatbox back and forth, a duel in Hamilton, right? I mean, there's you, you want the immediacy of an exchange, a, a rapid fire back and forth to build drama. A lot of young American beatboxers first got into beatboxing because of Deke Sharon. They don't know that, but it's true. If it weren't for the sing-off, there probably wouldn't be pentatonics. And pentatonics are the reason lots of young people sing in beatbox. I would never have met Ballistic's mom, Vanessa, if it weren't for pentatonics. What happened was I took him to a pentatonics concert, and he loved the beatboxers in there. So he did look up on YouTube uh, Napalm's lip roll, and that's the first sound that I heard over and over again. Long before Ballistic's was even born, Deke Sharon made a huge contribution to beatboxing because he was one of the first people to include vocal percussion in a cappella music. Deke felt the disconnect between the music on the radio and the vocal music a cappella groups were performing, so he decided to change that. Because so much current pop music is so rhythmic, and many people who come from the a cappella world are coming from the choral world. They're, in a way, kind of almost over-music educated to be making pop music. This is a familiar refrain to fans of niche cultures. Are we creating content that is only interesting to us? When I spoke with Reeps One, he articulated the same concern as a challenge to beatboxers. If all your idols are people within the art that you're doing or the, the skill that you're developing, um, you're missing a trick. So are you creating a vocal a performance piece which would stand up in a uh, in an event that's outside of maybe beatbox culture. When early advocates of vocal percussion like Deke Sharon and Jeff Thatcher performed, they shifted the paradigm for vocal music. And now, Deke says beatboxers might be changing the game again. I've been waiting for someone to, to do a primarily vocal percussion-driven group. I asked Deke to watch a video of the French beatboxing group Beriwam. They are the beatboxing world crew champions, and they are currently making waves on America's Got Talent. I was really glad to hear that happening because I think our world needs more of that. And by our world, I don't just mean the acapella world, I mean the world world. Good for the world, then. 
Korean FX and Scott Jackson were finalists on Canada's Got Talent. Barry Wom is currently on America's Got Talent. Pretty much the entire top tier of Korean beatboxers appeared on Vocal Play, which is a reality competition for vocal musicians in South Korea. MB14 and Scam Talk both advanced to the final rounds of The Voice in France. Beatboxers are all over the vocal music scene. But let's circle back to Deke for a second. What did he mean when he said the world needs more of that? Why? To what end? I mean, surely Deke Sharon, king of modern acapella, would say that the world needs more acapella music. I sat with these questions for a while after I spoke with Deke. I really believe what he said, but I couldn't put it into words. I thought myself in circles and gave myself a headache, but eventually I found the answers in my conversation with Charlie Harding. I asked most of my guests, what makes beatboxing special? But since Charlie isn't a beatboxer, I asked him, what makes music special? One of the things that music does is it expands our emotional range of things that are comfortable. It allows us to dig into feelings that otherwise we might want to keep on the surface for, to you know, r- remain safe and seen as fitting in. And, uh, and music gives us emotional cues beyond what feels safe. Beatboxers want to be part of that conversation. So for them, inclusion on these shows is a chance to say, hey, we have something cool to add to music. And for the music world at large, it's a chance to hear what beatboxers have to offer outside of the battle scene, like Abdullah's beatbox mindset. I hear a strange sound, and where most people would think that's annoying, I would think, wow, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Uh, and so I'm appreciating the, the oddities and the absurdities in the world around me, and I think that's kind of a beatbox mindset. We already know how impactful exposure can be for beatboxing. Ballistics is a beatboxer because of Pentatonix, who were on the sing-off. Brez is a beatboxer because of Pulpo, who was on Nouvelle Star in France. Paponi is the CEO of a Swiss beatbox because he saw Razel on MTV. But this is just the beginning. There are already musicians, world stars, who are using beatboxing in their music. Not on game shows, but on the radio and at the top of the pop charts. You can't let people's perceptions of you and what you should be, what you are, what they, what people think you are, limit your output. I bet when I said I'd be taking you to the top of the pop charts, you thought I'd go to Ed Sheeran. We'll get there. But first, we're going back to 1984. I was in Tower Records in San Francisco, largest uh, record store in the U.S., I believe. Deke is one of four or five people I interviewed who has actually spent time in record stores. I'm super jealous. They started playing the Bob McFerrin album, The Voice, and it came over the Blackbird, that whole thing, and I literally ran to the front. I was like, what is this? I need it. Bobby McFerrin is a huge influence for the beatboxing community. He would stand up by himself, much like beatboxers do, with a microphone, slapping his chest and doing these unusual vocal gymnastics in a very musical way, and no one had ever seen anything like it. Jeff is right. In 1988, Bobby McFerrin released Don't Worry, Be Happy, which became the first a cappella song ever to make number one on the Billboard Hot 100. McFerrin bopped his chest and dropped octaves right to the top of the charts. And for the most part, he was able to perform the exact same songs in live performances. He challenged the notion that you need a keyboard or guitar to make a hit. 
and Jeff and Ben Marin told me that this attitude defines the beatboxing community to this day. I'm not sure what my favorite sound is, except to say that it's the one I haven't heard yet. It's so creative and so, like, special effect, you know, where the audience is amazed, not just at the power or the performance energy, but at what is possible. That's beatboxing. And today, there are some unique musicians who share this attitude. They want to make good music, and they don't feel restricted to the sounds and techniques you usually hear at the top of pop charts. Take Ed Sheeran, for example. I promised I'd get back to him. Most singer-songwriters tour with bands who play the backing tracks while the headliner sings and strums. Ed Sheeran does nothing of the sort. He walks out on a stage with a guitar and a loop pedal and performs by himself for hours. I've mentioned loop stations a few times, but in case you aren't familiar with them, a loop station is a machine that allows musicians to create loops and combine them to make songs. So you can add a beat, then harmonies, and sing over them. And when you're Ed Sheeran, or Sorrow, or MB14, and not a scrub like me, a loop station is all you need to rock a stage. There's a certain audacity to say, I don't need a band, I can do it all with this loop, or to add beatboxing in the mix of your track. Beatboxing on hit songs, it's just not done. So when I saw a collaboration between Reaps One and Bass Nectar, I was blown away. So Lauren, um, Bass Nectar, he is such a vision. He supported me for years, like for such a long time. He took the original uh, Beatbox Battle TV clip and he played it out and he made a whole track to it and he played it out on his shows before he'd even spoken to me. He just was like, I like that. And he took it and he made a track out of it and it was part of his show for, for like six years or something. Reaps One was the star of Bass Nectar's track Whiplash. His dark beat and vibe set the tone for the whole song. He has this talent for, for, for bringing together entire like cultures and huge numbers of people. He thinks on a much higher frequency, I think, to a lot of artists, which is almost beyond his music. Call it audacity, call it a higher frequency, call it whatever you want. Something inside Bass Nectar, Ed Sheeran, and John Bellion pushed them out of their musical comfort zones and towards beatboxing, which then brought beatboxing to their enormous fan bases. As a fan of these artists, whose musical comfort zone does include beatboxing, it was a bit vindicating to hear them beatbox on their songs. Even though these artists will never be on America's Got Talent for beatboxing, or anything like it, their beatboxing is just as important to legitimize beatboxers as Barry Wams, Pentatonix, or even Reaps One. These artists view beatboxing as one of many tools that they have to make amazing music. And that's the key. The whole point of beatboxing is to make music. Ben Marin said it best. Beatboxing is music, but in order to make it music, you have to make it more than a magic trick. Who knows whether beatboxing will ever go mainstream, but the community has high hopes. Ten years from now, I hope that when you tell your family what you do, instead of them being like, you're beatboxing? Like, oh no, child, what are you doing? They're like, oh wow, you're a beatboxer. Like, my son, my son, I'm so proud of him. My kid, he's a beatboxer. I'm going to tell everybody. I already listed a bunch of musicians who are really proud of beatboxing. What's holding you back? You can find links to John Bellion, Ed Sheeran, Bass Nectar, and a bunch of other pop stars beatboxing in the show notes, as well as Rock Capella, Deke Sharon, Charlie Harding, and Cole Sassone's Low Grade Fever. 
Don't forget to follow SpeciFX on Instagram and to check out the website www.specialfx.com. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. They really make a difference. SpeciFX spent three weeks on Apple Podcasts' new and noteworthy list, and that's thanks to your awesome reviews. Until next time, I'm Tani Levitt. Ish? Hey.